Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. A lot of problems to be fixed. So, Jared, you want to finish the story about why I shouldn't have cats, you cat hater? What do you mean? I love cats. I cats know. are the best. Oh, right, right, right. Anyway, uh, welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard, the young, the young Grognard, kicking it to live with another episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign with the adventure of the kings and the quest uh, Gorgareth. So as it so happens, our party in the last episode made a furious charge off to the uh, village outside of Gogglegland, hoping to catch whatever the strange metal menace was that was fucking around and about to find out. Uh, unfortunately, the party found out as Norhill borderline got guillotined in the guts uh, by the Herald of Steel uh, himself. Himself? Themself? I don't know. He's a giant toaster with legs. So with that, the toaster with legs just said that he wished he would come here, and he was happy to come here. He dismantled the entire troop of remaining soldiers. He definitely had more than four. It, it's okay. We didn't have the entire party get wiped in one single turn of combat with one surprise. It's all good. But he stands there amongst the uh, rubble there um, in the cottage, or I guess just outside the cottage, where a dismembered uh, Dale folk, uh, quarry folk, uh, met their untimely doom. But anyway, he stands there saying there will be no fighting, and instead says he wishes to, you know, be diplomatic. He's looking to cut a deal with you guys. And he just stands there wearing something of like a battered black robe that barely hangs onto his figure. And you can see his like borderline chrome, like untarnished finish that he has on his body is just shining in the daylight. Again, his body, he has like horns or at least the beginnings of horns on his face. But again, he looks like if you melted all the skin and flesh off of a person and just like metalized all the bones he has left. He's very well reinforced. So he has more of a filled out look to look. He looks kind of like a Terminator a little bit, but he stands there in the doorway. Uh, Jarzak is about 300 feet away from this site, and uh, uh, Anton is about 340 feet away from this site. Um, so, uh, and behind you guys is the cage full of the Dale, the quarry folk there, uh, all screaming and halfling, which I guess doesn't do much for anybody at this point. So the Herald of Steel stands here, and he says, do you wish to fight me? as his voice sort of wheezes out from his lungs and out of his teeth, sort of like the sound of pulling a fabric over very sharp knives, sort of catching every little bit of the wind of his voice over the dagger-like teeth inside of his mouth, yet coming through very smooth as if smoke between the teeth. So with that, he just rattles towards you. Would you fight me? If diplomacy is what you wish, you have a funny way of showing it. And he says, how else could I get you to come here? Ask, like a normal person. Tor uh, torturing non-combatant civilians is not the way to get us to look at things from your point of view. So... At this point, Jarzak and Anton, who have been running up the hill, furiously charging and yelling, just like in this direction to attack. And you see the Herald of Steel pop out of the cottage and he doesn't seem to be looking in your direction. What would you two like to do at this point? Oh, Anton's gonna, I think, try to 
be a little bit more wise. Is there any way you can get like a kind of like hidden out of the way and sort of spy on the? I don't think he thinks running toward the Herald to steal might be the wisest plan. I mean, the best you could do is try to go behind the cottage that he came out of. But even then, that's that's taking quite a big risk. Seeing how you're like in a field running through a, like a, a field. Yeah, Charizak's going to continue full sprinting. <laughs> With a diamond-edged blade in hand, just... All right. Well, I guess you technically get another 100 feet down because of that, but um, what about Anton? So is Anton going to try to wheel around the backside? Yeah, I think he'll try to wheel around the backside. Just try to get him as many angles as possible. Serpentine, just just running <laughs> zigzag in the field. Like I see, you've brought your strongest warriors. Just as <laughs> very good. So with that, uh, for those um, it, for those who are only listening, I think Danny's described what he just did. Well, <laughs> you see, I hold my arm up directly, right, straight up, and then I hold my hand limp and tilt my my hand flops back. And then I make it run and flop and bounce as if Kermit the Frog doing the and just running like that. I, I think that's about sums it up. It's very funny. I'm not exactly a wordsmith, but I can sure as fuck do a limperist Kermit the Frog impression. But uh, with that in mind, what would uh, Kalika and Norhill like to do in this moment here? Uh, Norhill is going to hunger down behind his shield and uh, raise his weapon, you know, with the little ox of electricity coming off of it, as if to answer the challenge. You, you need to let these people go and leave this place. And so with that, he shifts his weight and takes a couple steps forward. Not exactly menacingly, as if he's like in a business meeting. Like there's definitely negotiations happening here. And there's definitely an incredible tension, but he's not armed. And it doesn't look like he's doing much after trying to kill Norhill, I guess. Which I guess is maybe an aggressive move. I don't know. I'm not keeping track of the points here. So with that, he just takes a step forward and he says, I have come to free them. Don't you see? Look at this place. And he kind of sweeps an arm over the fields around. Um... And he just says, if I let them go, they will remain poor here. They will die here. They will be forced to pay the taxes, live under the rules and the laws, and pray to false gods. I am doing them a service. Bear witness to my miracles. And as he takes the same arm, he drifted towards the fields and he aims it at the cottage. You can see his hand sort of writhing in like a very like, commensatory fashion as if like pulling something out of there and as if to answer his hand's call a single one of those metal warriors comes waltzing out in the dimensions of the halfling that had been chopped in half now reassembled with a very gruesome looking cut across the midline filled with metal and he says i can provide protection union peace i can provide it all And if you dare stand in the way of peace for this world, what makes you any different than any of the other evildoers? I have visions of grandeur, and they are true. You are chasing after dreams. If you want to bring peace to people, then turn around and go save those suffering in Amaroth under the Demon Queen. These people lived good lives here, honest ones. They did not ask for your freedom, if that's what you actually believe this is. You aren't helping anyone here. If this is your idea of peace, freedom, and unity, then I would hate to see your idea, uh, then I would hate to see you wage uh, wage war, uh, imprison, and disunify. And he says, if I am allowed my position of power, I would not have places such as prisons. No one would ever break rules, for we would all be of one mentality, one mindset, 
and all would be perfectly peaceful under my reign. We would for once and for all throw off the shackles of those who desire power over other people, those who would tell you what to do. You tell me you wish to know about the queen, what we can do to bring peace? She is a perfect example. She herself wished power, and look at her now. I would have her dead, but she means too much to me now in my plans. Uh, Jarzak, if you're still running, you're uh, officially at the uh, 100 foot mark. Are you going to continue your your murderous uh, charge up the hill? Uh, uh, yeah, okay. I want to. I want to get all the way up to now. Seeing the Herald of Steel, I want to get up like near him enough to be either in this conversation or to attack him because. I probably it's from 100 feet away don't know exactly what's going on. Meanwhile, Anton, are you still uh, serpentining behind the cottage? Yeah, still incognito. The best part is, is like the cottage is going to just explode from a fireball in the party mid conversation. They're going to be like, oh shit, that's right. Anton didn't hear. Anton, stop. Just another <laughs> building. Just, <laughs> just like. It's not, it's not working. Anton, please. Um, okay. And so I guess it goes back to you guys before Jarzak's able to get up there. I mean, Jarzak, I mean, they're a hundred feet away and they're talking in sort of like a conversational tone. So, I mean, if you want to roll perception, you could make out the gist of what they're saying. And you could perhaps shout from the hill running towards them. I got a five, so probably not. You can't hear them over your own heartbeat in your ears as you run like a champion up the hill. I can't. Guys, I'm coming. Harold is like, is that guy okay? <laughs> Just like <laughs> crawling up the hill. I'll, I'll save you. Clink is going to sort of narrow her eyes, get up next to Norhel taking a defensive position as well and just look at the Herald of Steel and say you'd allow for the atrocities that are happening in Amaroth just because they make this easier for you? you you've done all these things you've rallied against every god and master and now what now you're looking for allies and easy ways out you don't belong here you need to leave so with that the herald of steel sort of looks down at the ground and then looks off in the distance at the the fields and very clearly sees Jarzak approaching and lifts <laughs> one hand up. And as if like dragging a finger on an iPad screen, uh, can you roll a strength saving throw to hold on to your weapon? Well, my weapon's not out. Oh, well, guess what? I guess you can roll a deck saving throw to stop it from what's going to happen <laughs> next. <laughs> Somebody just running up full speed sprinting. <laughs> just get thrown. Uh, not 20. Okay, so with that, he flicks his wrist as if to, like, again, swipe on, like, an iPad screen. Um, your blade goes flying from your scabbard, and you manage to catch it at, like, the last second right before, you know, it manages to slide out too far. And you hold onto it as if in a tugging, uh, like, a tug of war with this guy. Um, and so I guess you're, you're free to complete the rest of your movement up and make your way up into sort of the circle here. And he doesn't even seem to really mind the fact that you've approached or, or anything like as if like it's inconsequential like you might as well be like a mouse or something like that like if you want to talk to him you can but he's just so beyond everything that's happening around him just by the way he's standing so perfectly unarmed unarmored and just like hanging out you guys are just like you'll be dead and he's just like you ever look at the trees <laughs> like what the fuck is this guy up to and uh, Anton is directly behind the cottage, not like in, uh, not like, you know, touching the cottage, about 100 feet behind the cottage, but you're behind it. So was there anything you wanted to do, Ronnie? 
think he'll want to get to the cottage first and maybe try to just okay, find we'll a way say to by the Okay, we'll say by the end of this next bit, you'll be right up behind the cottage. Okay. Okay. So with that, the Herald of Steel, as Jarzak comes huffing and puffing and approaches, he turns to Klika again and he says, you say I don't belong. And frankly, I don't. But have you ever seen the trees, Klika? And he looks off in the distance at the trees behind where Jarzak came from. Have you ever seen a forest fire? Have you ever wondered what happens to all that ash? I spent a long time among the trees, Klika. I know much of the secrets of the ash. The burning of the forest gives the nutrients for trees to grow stronger, as if the tragedies that happened before make way for strength and growth unmeasurable. And he turns back to you guys, armed to the teeth and ready to fight him. Jarzak trying to hold on to the blade this entire time, which it seems like he's lessened up. He's not trying to pull it away from you anymore. But with that, he says, I am the forest fire. I am the cleansing. And as he points to the shambling metal warrior who's come out of the cottage, he says, I present to you the strongest forest, unwavering and undying. There will be much pain, but salvation does not come easy. And all I ask is you help me with the cleansing. All will be forgiven when there is one single voice, one union, all of us as one. You you sound ridiculous. A forest fire doesn't collaborate with tyrants. A forest fire doesn't construct these elaborate moralities only to cast them aside when it's inconvenient. I think that you suffer from delusions of grandeur and ought to return to the immortal lands before it gets too bad. And he says, I don't belong there either. If only you knew my true plans. Soon... Sudan Norhill, Lord of the Halls, you will understand. No king of dwarves, no gods, no one will tell you what to do. There will be no fighting, Norhill. You will be free to go back to your family, and you'll never have to leave them. You will never grow old, and all will be forgiven. I promise. Return to my family as slave to deliver them into slavery under you, the last and greatest master the world will ever know? I think not. And he says, as he kind of looks around everywhere, and Anton at this point is directly behind the cottage and has probably heard the majority of everything that was just said now. I don't know if that changes what you want to do. Anton? Well, how, how far am I from them now if I'm right behind the cottage? If you ringed around it, you could be touching the Herald of Steel's arm uh, mm-hmm. in one movement. Ah. Yeah, you're like 30 feet away. It's just in a C shape. I think Anton will try to, as he imagines, try to stay hidden. Just keep listening in. Very well. And so that the Herald of Steel says, These are not delusions. This is what I've always wanted before I too was cursed to serve. But I know no masters. I reject masters. Norhill, Jarzak, Klika, and Anton, who I know is definitely behind the cottage. And I'm just kidding. But he says, I am the wind. I am the rain. I am the earth and the trees. Do not look to me as a master. I am the giver of gifts, and I will give everyone rejuvenation, revitalization, a second chance. You look at this as bondage and slavery because you fought your whole life to serve everyone above you. But I provide to you an opportunity. The struggle is over, Norhill. You are forgiven. Let me cleanse you, your family, everyone you know, 
and there will be no wars. The Duergar, they will not harm you. You I don't, promise. You don't get it. You talk that you're the earth and the wind, that you're the forests and the fires that consume them. All those things, they don't exist to be served. They exist to serve others to help them build, to help them create, to take them to distant lands, to see things they've never seen. They aren't you. You don't belong here. Life is meaningless without the struggle. Uh, To claw through today into tomorrow through blood and sweat and bone and ash, it gives meaning to life. You would take that all away. Says there is one simple truth that perhaps one day you will have to realize, even in victory, even if the last rebellion against your leadership is crushed for a thousand years, in time, even gods die when their stars no longer remain. And with that, he says very easily, I am no god. You are wrong for this world. And he says, perhaps I am, but perhaps Valaketh is the one to answer to such crimes. He turns again to Jarzak and says, perhaps these two are blinded too much by their pious beliefs of struggles in life. But I ask of you, Jarzak, would you help me? Would you free the world of Valaketh and all who would hold people? Would you, if you could wish him away, would you keep him here for the struggle he provides? Would you keep him here for the idea that deception is a justifiable cavity? Some sort of deformation of all we hold dear. Do you think we need such darkness to appreciate life? Where is your arm, Jarzak? Where's my flesh and my soul, Jarzak? Tell me, when will the pain stop? Without him, I wouldn't know what it's like to overcome darkness. You overcame it too. It made us stronger. Oh, Your strength is a bit corrupt. The metal cage around the quarry folk begins to crumple inward very slowly as if he's crumpling it like a tin can in his hands. And as he holds up one hand to do so, he turns to Jarzak and he says, you think I am strong in this form? I used to be just like you. I used to have dreams. And I used to pray for equality for all. And if I'm going to complete my dreams through this method, so be it. And whether or not you all join me or end up as a mention, a footnote in the history of all I have done, so be it. I will be done. And you will all understand what I have come here to do. And with that, the metal cage continues to clench tighter and tighter. And all of the quarry folk inside begin to slowly but surely like bunch together into a cluster in the middle as the cage begins to get much closer to them. So what would you like to do? Uh, Klika is going to start converting sorcery points into spell slots and at least dimension, like grab the youngest looking person she can see in that cage and dimension lure them out and then uh, yeah convert all of her current sorcery points into another spell slot so she can do that again next turn Um, does the cage have any sort of uh, lock or anything on it yeah there seems to be a small one on the front but that door is definitely getting a lot smaller as if you will be pulling people out of it rather than having them like escape through it. 
Yeah, Norhill's going to try to uh, wrench the door open. Okay. And then what about Jarzak and Anton? I don't think Anton's going to try to hit him with a fireball. I think the last time he did that, first time he met him, it did absolutely nothing. Yeah, we've gotten right. stronger since then. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's <laughs> trusting that. But I think... Uh... You think what? I think Anton's just going to want to come out from behind the cabin, and I'm just curious, besides the Herald of Steel, are there any of the other Iron Maelstrom around? Maelstrom around? No, only the one that was walking out of the cottage, but this yeah, thing seems there, like... Yeah, there's the one that did. One. Wait, so I there's mean, that one I don't know. was walking out of the cottage? Was it, like, close by, or is it, like, gone? It's... It's not even armed, like it's gonna do a dang thing. Like this thing was walked out like a like a a car at like a car reveal. Like you know what I mean? Like th- well, this thing is just an example. This Anton thing doesn't look just aggressive. Wants to go up to it because he knows that Klika and Norhill are doing everything they can to close the cage. But I think he just kind of wants to make a point. Well, I, just, like, this is... I was just gonna ask real quick, just for my own sake. But d- how does Anton react to any of this stuff? Because I know everybody else kind of had an opportunity to talk on this, and Anton was very quiet. But like. Does Anton have any particular thoughts about everything that was just spoken? I think Anton's just trying to understand what this guy's talking about, because he's talking about ultimate freedom, but he feels like that's kind of like death or non-existence in the first place. Like having nothing, having about, emptiness, and I think it, he just wants to make an example of that. He's like, what is the point of this emptiness? What, what, how, what kind of goal is this? What would it's nothing. So how are you going to make an example of this? Were you going to beat the shit out of this poor little halfling robot? No, I think he just kind of wanted the show of like, what is this? This is, if this is freedom, this is nothing. This is emptiness. It's a shell. I, okay. What's Jarzak doing? There's nothing there. Uh, Jarzak's gonna need... the Herald of Steel to make a wisdom saving throw, because he's going to cast a spell on him. It's my, it's my last time trying this spell. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that checks out, Jared. Use it on him, because if it doesn't work there, it'll never work. I, do we fan- have a phantasmal killer? Yeah, we, we have not come across someone who's just dumb, so, like, uh... <laughs> and you said it was a wisdom saving throw? Uh I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, okay, I rolled for it. I got in the 20s. Okay, Jarzak's gonna be like, yeah, we'll join you. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, whoa, really? That was easy. So, okay, so as Klika rushes over and starts grabbing people out of there, Norhill rips the cage door off the front of it and starts grabbing and pulling individual ones out of there. Jarzak, uh, I don't know what kind of Jedi mind tricks Jarzak does. He just like swings a hand over and he's like, and he's like, eh, fuck it. I worship you now. Um, And then Anton rushes up to the uh, metal boy or little metal halfling there. And what is exactly you wanted to say to the Herald of Steel as you rush up to it, Anton? kind of like i don't know why i don't laugh but this just reminds me of the scene in zoolander when he sees the little school and he's like what is this freedom <laughs> happening <laughs> okay so you just rush up and you just grasp this poor ugly little it's actually one of the halflings that Klika saved like look at this abomination this beast this is like a kid picking his nose frustrated by this guy's like whole speech he's like you must be like out of your mind what you're saying makes no sense at all freedom you're referring to freedom as emptiness non-existence nothing if that's what you want you're better off just i don't understand it makes no sense that that is what you want non-existence existence of nothing what what do you see this it's empty so with that, he stands there looking at you and he says, do you recall the Aspis nest? The ones that lived amongst the dwarves. Did they seem like they were very upset to be controlled by a queen? Or did it seem like they had no battles, no quarrels, no qualms? 
and in Yunanyi, they fought against the the Durgar. They fought against you. They forgot fought against anyone who posed a threat to any of their group. I present to you union and peace. And I think of all people here in this union, amongst your party, you're the one who should do the most searching for what it is that you do and why it is you do it. You claim that I promote emptiness. You promote a light in the sky, a lantern. For what? No matter how much you worship, you'll never save the children. Not all of them, but I can. And that is why I am who I am and why you will remain a failure, old man. And with that, the cage gets smaller. That's harsh. There's still about six people left behind inside of it. I imagine Norhill has the strength to put a halfling under each arm. Well, it's not a matter of that. It's a matter of pulling them out because the, the doorway is getting like cereal box sized and you're trying to pull children out by like the head. And not to mention, there's grown adults in there too. Is it possible for Norhill to like exert his strength to try to stop the shrinking? Like it's hold like a, it's open just long enough to let them all out. I mean, it's a, the sphere. The whole thing is kind of crushing in, like like you know those weird like Newtonian. I don't even know what to describe them. Like those weird like collapsible sphere toys where like they like expand out and you can shrink yeah. them. Like it's shrinking on all sides. So even if you held one part of it wide open, it would just continue to crumple up onto them inside. So well, yeah. like, uh, I guess, yeah, you know, just like the same toy, if you, if you shoved a pencil inside one of the things, it would at least stop it for a moment. All I'm saying is if you want to be able to do that, you can try to exert yourself and try to bend the bars to keep the entrance a little bit wider and make it easier on yourself. But that'll be an athletics check. I would like to make the attempt. Okay, and Klika's going to burn off sorcery points to do another one? Yeah, she can dimension door someone else out this turn. <laughs> Norhill got a natural 20. Oh, Jesus. Uh, that that totals up to 27, if that matters. Very well. Well, I don't feel at all good about what's happening next, but... So with that, Glika starts dimension dooring them and doing all that. And Jarzag, I, what is Jarzag doing at this point? Because I know Anton's kind of standing there, still dumbstruck by the logic of this strange being. But what is Jarzag up to? Well, you really shouldn't crush them like that. I mean, I'd rather not see that. If you just turn them into your metal beings, uh, I won't attack you. With that, he turns to Jarzak with like a strange look on his face, if ever a person without flesh could do so. And he turns to you and gives kind of a strange expression as the metal cage begins to continue to get shrunken. And as it does so, you can hear people screaming in pain now rather than just panic. And Norhill manages to kind of like budge his way into the door frame and cruxing his body, his armor and everything against like the metal cage shrinking onto him. He manages to like do a bridge shape and like the rest of the halflings and everybody managed to squeeze out under the tremendous backbreaking bone snapping pain of this thing collapsing in on him. Your armor is permanently indented with one single metal ring, like shape indentation that goes over one shoulder and onto the front where it just pushed so hard. So yeah, basically like that facial, like cliche, like facial scar over the eye, but just over your chest plate and down to the side. Hardened adamantine dwarven steel with that firm indentation on it as they all come rushing out of that thing. And with that, the Herald of Steel turning to Jarzak says, as he kind of like looks around at the ground and looks back at him and he says, I think you can be saved. Perhaps you understand more than the rest of them. Peace will be found, brother. Even if you're not accepted here, I accept you. And he reaches one of his metal claws out to put it on your shoulder. What would you like to do? Uh, I don't I don't know how I feel about being one of your slaves as we've been calling it. But I finally found 
hope. And if you had if you had accepted me before back when we first met, perhaps then I would have joined you willingly. But I I have loose ends to tie up. And I uh I don't know, not being myself seems wrong now. Now that I have the freedom. And he turns to you again, Klika, who has just finished teleporting a couple more people out. Norhill, who pulls himself out from the sheet metal cage there, and he's like just broken ribs from how hard it pushed on your back and crunkled on you there. Anton still standing in a... I don't know. Is he still standing in like stupor with his little robot friend? Just being like... What is this thing? I still I don't, don't know. get it. <laughs> Why is this good? I think, I think at that point when Anson sees, especially the pain Norhill's going through, he just has a frustrated look in his face and goes over Norhill and heals him as best he can. Okay. Yeah, it helps him out of the cage crumple yeah, there. I, but the Herald turns back to Jarzak and says... I see more of myself in you every day. And perhaps if I haven't the strength, maybe you do. If I fail, Jarzak, promise me you will finish what I've started as I know you will. Peace for everyone does sound pretty nice. And with that, he just starts walking past you and does not seem to be running. He just starts walking down the hill and his black cloak seems to be flapping in the breeze behind him. And he just keeps walking as all these people are screaming in terror. Yeah. And then Norhill gets stood up again by Anton and begins using healing magic to fix his broken ribs. What does Jarzak do? Just watch him walk away. Uh, no, it's gonna be one, that cool? one of the one of those scenes where I just don't look back and just let him leave. I was I was hoping it was one of those like '80s movies where you stop and you're like, "Hey, kid," and then you like throw him your sneakers, and he's just like, "Thanks." That would mean <laughs> I like, had to have seen '80s <laughs> movies. <laughs> Forget about me. <laughs> like, needless to say. The quest we had wasn't that great, but what we learned was amazing. <laughs> Jarzak, freeze-framed, jumps in the air as all the dead bodies behind him are like, please help, and you're like... A fist bump realizing the Herald took my gauntlet. Oh, fuck. Looks like I'm joining them now. <laughs> Turns out Jarzak actually failed on that deck save and got smacked in the head by a sword pommel, and he's been unconscious <laughs> on the ground this whole time. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'll finish what you started, bro. <laughs> but anyway, okay. So with that, um, gonna you do guys stand motions on the village on the halflings, by the way. Okay. Try to try to get him out of a state of terror. Yeah, and they seem to all kind of gather around you guys, huddled, freaking out, and panicked. So how what does it look like when you use calm emotions? Okay, I thought I was just gonna take a breath in and just sort of like lay out his palms in front of him and just say kind of like a almost like a yoga thing like just, just kind of like pause or something like that or something that just make him stop and focus on something I think he'll say eh, no maybe he'll be like focus on my palms It'll kind of be like when you watch those breathing exercises with the circle that moves in and out, except it's little lights that pulls up and down and make them focus. And so as the moments pass by and they begin to calm down, I think everybody in attendance has a moment where they think about the concept the Herald was talking about with people ruling, commanding others, and being in control as master. And as Anton manages to calm the emotions of a group of berated and terrified individuals returning them to a moment of emotional stasis the lines are a little bit gray 
But with that, what would the party like to do now that the Herald is still walking in the distance at this point, nearly a few hundred feet away, still just walking? What direction is he walking in? Now he's walking actually north. Up into the uh, mountains. Cleekus just gonna let him go. Even if I could do something. I don't think there's any saving that one. Wish you knew more about him, about who his master was. Kind of, and Anton looks toward Jarzak and he's like, you don't think his master was also about Kath, do you? Uh, I, yeah, he, he was. At one point. Even when you say the words, yeah, he was at one point, it just echoes so strangely in the same reverberations of your own life course and history where you think to yourself, I mean, you didn't willingly jump into the relationship with the deceiver being like, hell yeah, deceit and evil. You're like, there's personal gains here. And for a moment, maybe Jarzak feels a glimpse of sympathy or something as he thinks to himself, why is a being so hell-bent on peace and so hell-bent on revenge against the deceiver and gods for torturing him? Like, you know what I mean? You just get a strange sense of like, I feel like I've been here before. Watch, it's just Jarzak in the future. (laughs) That would explain all the chrome. Uh, We all know. It it was just one big SpongeBob reference the whole time. That would be one hell of a twist. Sure. Future. Uh, <laughs> Anton just well, doesn't get it. He just doesn't understand this concept at all. He's just like stumped. He has no idea what this guy is referring to as freedom other than like death and non existence. He's just like, what? Lack of purpose, lack of everything. He just doesn't understand. Doyle is going to confirm whether or not uh, with the cord folk whether this is everyone. And a few solemn ones speak up and say that the ones that are still alive are here and that any of the other ones that were dragged off or killed uh, they're not sure what happened to them with some heavy finger quotes right there but looking over at the one still existent metal guy there they kind of begin to assume that a lot of the remnant soldiers here must have been. Well, I guess quarry folk at one point. Uh, judging by, uh, there were a bunch of um, uh, the metal guys who had already been defeated when we got here, right? Sure was. Well, it seems like your warriors fought with honor. You should be proud of them. And they look around and they say, Well, that's the first trouble we ran into. Some strange specter in a crimson cloak just showed up demanding answers and asking directions and we didn't know what he was talking about. I'll also mention this is one of them speaking common as it seems like the majority of these hillabillies speak only the halfling tongue. So this one seeming to be a more worldly halfling amongst them, he speaks up and says, one of them, a phantom in a crimson cloak. He demanded directions, and when we couldn't provide them to him, he stopped any of us who tried to stop him. But when we saw what he was in the light of torches, in the light of lanterns, he was a headless being, and we did what we could to protect our people. We attacked him. Strangely enough, that strange metal being brought his armies in, or at least his war band in, and they did battle here. And he killed probably 40 or 50 of them by himself. The headless being, that is. But then he left. He ventured off north into the mountains. Where was it that he wished to go? He wanted to know how to get to Eagleheart. He spoke of Call us Sky, but we don't know who that is. None of us. 
a terrible name. I'm, I'm hoping we all remember who Kaliskai is. Um, I imagine that's the queen. Uh, Whoa. Uh-huh. I didn't say that. Hmm. It is. Um, so with that, uh, the uh, they give you a brief description of what he looked like, apart from the crimson cloak that he wore and having the uh, swords that he carried at his sides. He appeared to fit the description of Jaden. Like his face, his beard, everything about him, just an old man covered in scars and I his head wasn't attached head. anymore. Oh. Yeah. Is he holding he it? Just, just... Well, from the morbid description given, the head is at times attached and at other times, when more convenient, it is held in his arm. Doolahan style, I get it. Just throwing his chomping head at people. Going to <laughs> kneel down in a sort of like, yeah, I submit position to the halflings and say, you have my sincerest apologies. This man is our ghost. Our response. They said, the one that you were talking to earlier asked for all of you by description and by name. The one that you refer to as your ghost, he only wanted the one called Kala Sky. So if this is your burden, he sure didn't go looking for you. Well, if it weren't for us, uh, he wouldn't have come in his present form to slaughter your warriors even before the Herald of Steel. We bear responsibility mm, so- on both counts. And so with that, they all just kind of shrug and look solemnly around at this tortured scene around them. And the uh, one that's been speaking to you kind of chimes in and says, will you follow him to the north or are you headed back to Enton? Are, are you going to stay here and try and rebuild? Some of your people made it to Enton. That's how we found out about this. We'd, and with that, they we'd say, we'd be happy there's about... to escort you back. Well, not but on our way back to Enton, if you wish to join us. And so with that, they pretty much just state that with the numbers that they have here, it's a lost cause. They'd be dead by wolves, if not bandits or something in, in a matter of days. And so they ask pitifully if they can come along with you back home. They don't have to ask because I already offered. Sucker. Absolutely <laughs> that we could do. Okay. And so with that, the group uh, begin their journeys home. The weather is rather permitting, warmer than it was before. And within a day and a half, the party arrive back in Enton, where there is a summons waiting for them. With the council. And as the party collect their bearings, their belongings and everything to go speak with the council, they tell you that they have some rather unfortunate news to present to you. That also checks out. So good old Rudaloo (laughs) of the Gnomish Council steps forward from his little red prismatic chair there. And he says, what we have found from our metallurgists and the people of Goggle Glint is that that slab of metal is not something we can very easily affect, manipulate, melt, or shape. We don't have the reagents for such a, such a feat, nor do the dwarves or any smith that we know of. And unfortunately, it would appear that the only kind of heat that we could, I guess, use to do such things as manipulate the metal to fit it into a mold to fit back into the portal. Well, we're going to have to find something a bit more arcane or perhaps something a bit more uh, one of the other gnomes, the alchemist gnome that you had spoken with before chimes in something more primal. In fact, we think that there may be only one beast in our recollections, in our histories that we know of, who could summon such great fire 
that we could mold it in any way. Oh, would you happen to be talking about a dragon? Well, actually, that's the interesting part. What great luck we have that you have an orc from Gorgareth itself in your in your in your midst. Oh, no. We do speak of a red dragon in Gorgareth. Will you be welcomed there? <laughs> Not by the orcs or Klinka just lays face down on the floor when he <laughs> Will you be welcomed there? Well, I guess that may complicate things a little bit, but I'm afraid that's the only person, the only thing we can think of. The dragon's fire of Karashesdarun. If it is true that that great red worm still lives, we're going to have one hell of a time trying to get it to light something on fire for us and not not die. He's not going to. But that brings us to our next idea. Our alchemists have been working very hard. The same team that made that wonderful uh, Tartharja incident have thought of a way that we could make you immune to the dragon's fire for just long enough to melt it into our mold. It's going to be very dangerous, experimental, and it doesn't pay. But... When have you guys ever gotten paid? Uh, right. So what do you say? What are the odds that the dragon will simply see reason? Uh, the entire room of gnomes begin uh, to cough very, very illegitimately and start to address their uh, lapels, their their neck rings on their shirts, and they all start to look around and make the same general, well, I so, mean, so noises. So, Norhill, Norhill, you know how people say slim to none? It, you drop the slim in this situation. I've heard the expression, and we've seen stranger things happen. That's a uh, good bit of optimism to have in this one. Yep. And that is where I guess we're going to end it. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter. Or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Oh, no, 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 no.